It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. He's a vigilante that goes by the alias GamerDoc. He infiltrates secret online doldrums to hunt down wrongdoing and the dishonest who prey upon and exploit the system. I never cared who you were. And you were right. But shouldn't the people know the hero who saved them? A hero can be anyone. His target, you might ask? The many cheating gamers out there using code to be really good at titles like Valorant and Overwatch. Because there's a huge underbelly of cheating gamers out there who trade and sell gaming exploits, the zero days of video games, to get to god mode level skill without the hours of practice. Believe it or not, cheaters and hackers are a huge problem for gaming companies. And today, we have motherboard reporter Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai on the show to tell us about the infamous cheater hunter, GamerDoc. We interviewed GamerDoc, and you'll be hearing his take on things as Lorenzo and I unpack this story. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Hello, Lorenzo. Hey, Ben. How was your trip? I was very busy. It was a very busy, busy trip. And I have to tell you, as you know, for this particular return to the pod that I have for us, I am not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. I don't know anything about gaming, really. But you, on the other hand, you're a gaming fanatic. And yeah, especially in the last this few is, months. Especially in the last few months, for obvious reasons. And this one is about a vigilante who is hunting down cheaters. Now, I am familiar with the concept of cheaters in video gaming. Mm-hmm. And I am, I am familiar with people who really don't like cheaters in video gaming. So tell me, tell me about this guy. Yeah, so his name is Mohammed Al-Sharifi, but he's best known online as GamerDoc. A former esports player for uh, Overwatch. I kind of like stopped playing because I found a new passion. I've just been trying to find ways to break cheats and destroy cheating businesses and get justice, basically, for players. And uh, in the last two years, he has contributed to uh, banning to the banning of 50,000 to 70,000 cheaters across Overwatch and Valorant, which are two very popular online competitive games. Overwatch is made by Blizzard and uh, Valorant is made by Riot Games. Um, and, you know, this may seem like a crazy claim, you know, that he is responsible for 50,000 or 70,000 bans, but sources in the gaming industry told me that that's feasible, that obviously it's not only him, you know, he reports the the cheaters to the companies, then the companies have to do their job. And he also has a kind of a small community of people that help him out. Um, he has like a Twitter account. He has a Discord chats well, where other volunteers uh, sort of police these online communities and uh, uh, try to find cheaters. Uh, so, so it's not just him, but it's kind of fascinating because he's the leader of this uh you know, volunteer army or vigilantes. 50 to 70,000 cheaters. That is a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, some of them could be the same person. You know, I think that's accounts more than people. You know, it's hard to tell whether people, you know, the someone can, could have more than one account and keep tried, you know, keep trying to cheat. But yeah, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, I think that one, one, one thing that it's important to, to understand about this sort of scene is that, um, you know, some of these cheats can go for hundreds of dollars. So the way that the market works is that, you know, if I'm playing Valorant, let's say, and I'm, you know, I'm tired of being bad and, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't kill anyone. 
So I go online and I look for cheats and, you know, this is not illegal. So there's online websites, communities, uh, forums, uh, discord chats where you can, you can pay and get these cheats. And, um, and, and this is a pretty big market. Some of these cheats can go for hundreds of dollars. Um, and usually they work under a subscription model. So for example, you know, I, I pay you, you're a cheat developer. I pay you like, let's say hundred dollars or $200 a month, uh, for, so that you can give me support for this cheat. So if the company, um, you know, gets the cheat banned, um, you create a new one and I can keep cheating. So depending on the popularity of the game, um, you know, some of these games are played by tens of thousands, millions of people sometimes. So depending on the popularity of the game, some of these cheat developers are making hundreds of, hundreds of dollars, definitely thousands of dollars, um, and thousands of dollars so it's it's a huge market and this guy is basically going after it and uh you know people these cheaters don't like him so let me just get this straight how are these cheats actually found and how do these cheats actually work is this a flaw in the code of of games like valorant yeah that's a great question and, that, and that's why we're talking about it today on cyber like essentially uh cheats are are just like uh, finding cheats is just like hacking uh you know, these developers are essentially hackers. They look at the code of the video games, they find flaws, and then they also have to find a way to get around the anti-cheat systems. Because these days, most video games have uh, very sophisticated anti-cheat systems. For example, Riot Games has a system called Vanguard, which is essentially an antivirus. It sits in the at the kernel level in Windows, so it has the most privileges. It runs as soon as you turn on your computer, and it monitors everything that happens on your computer. So it's a very aggressive system that is designed to uh, detect anything that's unusual happening on your computer. But, but yeah, go, going back to your original questions, yeah, cheaters are in a way hackers. Um, and, and actually a lot of people that work in cybersecurity, if you ask them how they started, they will tell you that they started by reverse engineering video games and finding flaws in video games. So, so there's a lot of um, overlap between cheating and, and regular hacking. So it's basically like, if I'm getting this straight, it's kind of like, it's almost like the zero day market for cheaters, except it's video games. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, instead of uh, the, the stakes are obviously not as high. Um, you know, we're talking about probably like uh, kids that want to cheat because they're not very good or maybe they want to troll their friends. Um and the, the, but the developers, it's possible that some of these developers are also people that develop a serious zero days, and this is just their side business. So, and it's a huge market because there's so many video games, uh, and the gaming industry is such a big industry these days. So, our vigilante friend is he familiar with hacking and coding, and he's able to identify some of these these cheats? No, actually, he's not a hacker. He's more like he's just a gamer and he has this passion for finding cheaters and uh he's not really technical but he he's more of a what he does is mostly like he lurks in like uh cheating communities you know undercover basically some cheats even require you to even like send in an id or have a an interview through discord or send papers and stuff through them and it's really weird they're really trying their best to stay hidden and stay undetected so they can like keep selling the cheat he socially engineers uh, cheat developers into giving giving him cheats and and he has established uh, good relationships with company like companies like riot and blizzard and he feeds them information it's sort of like a 
like a like an informant of sorts. He's so he's basically an informant on the cheating community of video gaming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting also because he doesn't get paid for this. Uh, he does it just for you know for because it's his passion, but. But some of his techniques, uh, like infiltrating communities and uh, becoming informant, an informant, are are also used by by gaming companies that are getting more sophisticated at fighting cheating. Some communities you cannot find at all. You need to be invited by someone within that community to enter it. And I, I am in several of those communities. So he's been. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of like I mean, as you know, I report on domestic terrorism. And this guy is basically like an, like what, like an anti-fascist infiltrator, essentially to, to video gaming communities and stopping and actually like helping these companies. Yeah, and you would think that I mean, obviously, his life is not as dangerous as an anti-fascist uh, infiltrator, but it can get a little uh, hairy. Like it's uh, he's gotten like death threats. Really? Uh, at some point, someone uh, created a GoFundMe to uh, pay for. A hitman that would take him out. I've, I have, I would say, I have many enemies uh, doing this. Uh, I have people who try to make a GoFundMe to try and get an assassin after me. I have people who try, who send me like really gore type shit. I, I have people who just uh, make fun of my looks, make fun of my weight, uh, make fun of me pretty much best they can. Just try to bully me. But I think uh, over the time, I've grown. Um, I've grown out of the negativity. I guess I've seen way too much negative things that I've, I guess, grown used to it. Some things do bother me. Some things just don't bother me at all anymore. I, you know, I think that this was mostly trolling. I, I don't want to believe that someone would actually, you know, hire a hitman to take out a guy that goes after cheaters in video games. I don't want to believe that we we are at that point in the history of humanity. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's like people harass him. Um, wow, that's... he's gotten sent like gory pictures as a as a way to intimidate him. And I think it's again like we have to remember that this is even though we're just talking about video games and you know it's basically a pastime. But but there's a lot of money uh, behind it behind all this because all these people realize like if or all these people think that what he's doing is completely. I mean, completely bullshit. Yeah, we actually spoke with a, a guy that uh, developed um, what was at some point one of the most sophisticated cheats for Valorant. Uh, it would allow you as a player to essentially become invincible. Every shot you took went to the, it was a headshot, you know, you became unstoppable. And, and GamerDoc somehow found found a way to get the code, um, the cheat, and the reported the cheat to Riot and got it banned. And, and this guy was very salty. He was like, "Yeah, Gamer Doc is uh, is is a nobody. He, you know, it's 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 he's not as good as he claims to be." But it just sounded like he was very mad that his cheat got um, got um, got banned. And, and this guy was making money. Um, like he was offering support for this cheat for like fifteen euros a day, seven euros a week, um, one hundred fifty euros a month, or five hundred for life. So you know, if it's like and and he claimed to have to have uh, ten thousand users. So if if you do the math, like that's that's decent money, you know, for like something that's just a, a video game cheat. So I'm obviously he was mad about it. Probably not enough for me to hire a hitman to stop someone. Like I think like five hundred euros is probably not worth uh, uh, 
you know, a, a life sentence for <laughs> yeah, conspiracy to murder. I feel, I feel like that you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be that mad. You know, you're, you're, you're creating cheats. Like obviously being caught is part of the game, I guess. But I mean, this is also just like another example of how coding and the ways in which people find flaws in everything in society gets sort of utilized in the, in the different, the different offshoots of how this works in our culture and it's gotten so extensive that even there's both vigilante cheat cheater hunters <laughs> and these these cheaters who are who have a real like a real horse in this race. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good reminder that everything these days is uh, hackable, right? Just like as you would say, no game is unhackable, no cheat is undetectable. Everything in our lives basically runs on code. And as we know, code is not perfect because it's written by humans. So every code, everything that runs on code will have flaws. And if there's flaws, there, there's going to be someone that tries to exploit them. And uh, if, the, if the thing is popular enough, that, that those exploits, those flaws have a certain value, monetary value. So there, there will be a market um, for exploiting those flaws. And yeah, as you say, it's fascinating that there's like, a thriving market of hackers who sell what are essentially yeah zero days for gamers, and there's also this new um, movement of vig volunteer vigilantes that try to help gaming companies go after these hackers. And Gamer Doc himself, I mean, is he a big time gamer? Yeah, he says that especially now. Unfortunately, he got he got laid off from his job because of COVID, and so yeah, he spends most of his day like gaming and. Um, spying on cheaters essentially and what's so like what's what's blizzard and riot's perception of these types of characters these types of vigilante mm -hmm. characters yeah blizzard did not talk to us um but riot games did uh um, they sent us a statement by the the, the lead for their anti-cheat system uh his name is paul chamberlain and he said quote we're always happy to receive information from people especially if they have insight into cheating communities the information people like GamerDoc provides help us accelerate our anti-cheat development and ultimately gets cheaters out of the game faster. And this is a company that's been very aggressive uh, going and, uh, after cheaters. As I said, they developed this uh, super advanced and very aggressive uh, engine called uh, Vanguard. They also, th their developers are on Twitter, sort of like um, taunting cheaters. Like when they launched the game, uh, I think it was Paul, Paul Chamberlain himself on Twitter was like, we just uh, we just caught eight thousand cheaters and banned them. Uh, the game is better now. Also, a, a couple of weeks ago, there was kind of a big controversy because um, a relatively famous, a pretty famous um, Valorant uh, online gamer announced that he was like retiring from the game uh, due to like uh, mental health issues and stress. And this was a guy that was on the on his way to become like a pro because you know some of these games have like. A, pro leagues where people get paid a lot of money to play. And uh, one of the Valorant uh, security engineers uh, replied to his tweet saying, please, next time, don't cheat. So like, he, you know, he shamed him publicly for cheating. So, so there's like a lot of tension in the community and it's, it's kind of a fascinating uh, uh, subset of the cybersecurity world. And like, what is what is the, the nature of cheating across most video games? Like, is this something that happens pretty frequently? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's been happening forever. Like a couple of years ago, we wrote about this guy um, that had been uh, 
cheating uh, in like m- m- in massively multiplayer games uh, like Ultima Online and stuff like that. And mostly it was um, it was creating cheats so that he would like uh, amass uh, huge amounts of like resources that he could then resell and monetize. And he essentially found a way to like make a living. Like for twenty years, he didn't have a job. His job was to make cheats and make money off of these games. Um, so it's you know it's kind of an under underground world that uh, we still don't know much about. And um, and there's a lot of money. Um, and yeah, every game. You know, especially the games that are online, that are free, like Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, people just like to acquire cheats so that they can kill people more easily and they can win more easily. And it's a huge problem because it kind of like, you know, it ruins the game for everyone. You know, imagine it's like if you went to play soccer and, you know, this guy shows up and he's, you know, he's just better than anybody else and makes all these like improbable moves and, you know, it just ruins the game. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think that's kind of the difference between video game cheating and real world sports cheating. Because like I was admittedly just such a cheater in real world sports. And everyone who's like hyper competitive is just an absolute cheat in in, in any way possible. But you still can't have a cheat code where you like uh, can be Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. It's just like like you kicking someone's ankle behind the back of a referee. It's not like God mode. Yeah, exactly. This is basically God mode. Like some of these gamers, like we have a video in the story and it's like, this guy is just like, you know, every shot he takes, it's a headshot. So it's like, what, and you know, what's even the, what is the fun in that? I don't know. You know, like, I feel like I don't, I wouldn't find that funny, you know, maybe to troll a friend once in a while, but like, I don't see why people do it, to be honest. Like cheating is a very addictive thing. Uh, A lot of people try to stop cheat uh, with like using sheets and stuff they can't really do it because they're so satisfied with like getting high kill streaks being relevant getting all this intention um just a lot of dopamine being like um yeah it, it literally is like drugs pretty much like almost it's really weird to say that because it's games and like but uh, yeah yeah it, cheating is pretty much like drugs yeah, there's something really scummy and shitty about it. And also the fact that you get all these guys getting really pissed off about it. Like, I, I, I sort of fail to understand gamer culture just on the whole. But it, it's like they're getting pissed off because they suck at games and they're cheating and somebody's calling them out for sucking at this. <laughs> like, like, dude, my man, my guy, give your head a shake. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with like playing a lot of games and wanting to get better and spending a lot of time playing video games, but like, you know, do it fairly, you know, don't, don't ruin the game for everybody else. You know, we're all, a lot of us are still locked down at home and we log on to these video games to have a good time with our friends and just forget about real life problems. And if it's, you know, if someone kills me from the other side of the map because they're using a cheat, then yeah, it's just, you're just ruining my, you're ruining my experience. Why, Why are you doing that? Just play fairly, you know? So does GamerDoc have any plans to sort of make this a more legitimate community of vigilante hunters to, to sort of legitimize the mm-hmm. the act and the profession of, of Yeah, he says that he's hunters? Yeah, yeah. He says that his dream is to make this into a job. He doesn't really have a plan to monetize this. Um but but he does have a plan to expand it. So he's working on a website where everyone can uh, um, 
everyone will be able to report cheaters and uh, and the system is pretty sophisticated you know i can't just say you know ben maku is a cheater i have to like collect some evidence like a video um say when the che- the alleged cheating happened uh what time where we were playing what we were playing so like every every person that reports a cheater including gamerdoc has to create like a detailed report so that he can send, he then can send it to the company and the company can reproduce and, you know, find the evidence. So he, he hopes to be able to open this up to the rest of the world uh, and create a website rather than a Discord chat, which is still something that I feel like not a lot of people would use. And, and we'll see if that works because I feel like that's going to open up a lot of, uh, it's going to make it harder for him and his his friends to filter uh, fake reports. Because if you, you know, there's nothing that, can, nothing will stop people from reporting their friends or their enemies for cheating when they haven't cheated. So I, I, I think it may, it may be a challenge to, to really scale this up. Well, Lorenzo, thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for hosting the pod in my absence. My you pleasure. Did phenomenally. Thank you, thank you. And this is just another story we've done together where cyber cyber is in our is in our hearts and across our society. <laughs> cyber is everywhere. Thanks for having cyber me. Cyber is everywhere. Glad you're back. Welcome back. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back, Jason. Welcome back. Hey, Ben. We didn't do a cipher last week. I'm sorry to our listeners. It was uh, an extremely hectic week, uh, but we're back. Well, welcome back to the danger zone, bro. Yeah, I hope I sound okay. I'm on a gamer headset this week, not my uh, standard dulcet tones uh, sure microphone. Wow. We just did a gamer. We just did a gamer themed episode, so... It's That's all. why I'm doing it. I do it for the gamers. Hell yeah. I always make be, it very clear, I am not a gamer. <laughs> I'll be back on the, the good mic next week, but I think this should probably f- sound fine. Sounds good to me. Well, let's just get to it. Let's get back. Let's bring back the cypher. Cypher it up. Do you want, are you even going to tell your uh, beloved fans where you've been? Not, I mean, broadly speaking, like don't, don't tell them where you've been, but I mean, your mysterious Bro- absence, you've yes. just been... Broadly speaking, I was just on a jaunt investigating some stuff, domestic neo-Nazi terrorist organizations and their, their, their goings on in America. Yeah. And it's going to be, I will, we'll have some, some cool stuff coming both in podcast and in television format. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, well, speaking of something explosive, um, see what I just did there. Uh, this is, this is pretty, this is, uh, 
I saw this. This just happened. But this explosion, we don't know what's going on right now in Beirut, what the explosion is, what its origins are. There's a lot of people throwing allegations around on Twitter. But the, the dumbest one or the dumbest set of allegations I've seen so far, especially one tweet, which was like, that's a mushroom cloud. It's definitely an atomic bomb of some kind, which even as a non-explosives expert, I can assure you, not true. But our, our, our uh, amazing reporter, Matthew Galt, did a little deep dive on the conspiracy theorists who were adamantly insisting this thing was a nuke. Yeah. So uh, to be clear, we're recording this, I don't know, an hour and a half after the explosion happened in Beirut. So we don't really know what happened here. It seems like initial thoughts are that fireworks factory seems to have uh, exploded perhaps and then and then also hit like a, a grain silo or a fertilizer silo or something like this like we don't really know um initial reports suggest that some people have died uh so it's obviously a very scary thing that happened and and it played out you know in real time because so many people took a video of it and then tweeted it so it's like yeah this is clearly like a major world event because it's a really big explosion in a, you know the capital of Lebanon which is a country that has, uh, you know, had a lot of terrorism lately. It's been, it's just like been a bit of a hot spot in the world. Yeah. I lately. mean, it's a, it's a cross, it's a crossroads for both sort of this Hezbollah, Iran backed political power and also, you know, the Western backed Saudi backed political entities in the country. So it's a bit, it's a place that's certainly it's of interest geopolitically and there's some tension going on right right but uh, i guess initially like there's nothing to suggest that this was a terrorist attack um but we just we simply don't know <laughs> but uh i think something like this happens and people try to explain it right away and you have you know like nuclear arms experts who will look at this and say immediately this is not a nuclear blast like it's obvious it has none of the telltale signs of a nuclear blast mm -mm. despite the fact that there is you know, uh, a mushroom cloud and a, a sonic boom or like a, a blast wave. I mean, we see that with conventional weapons and, and big explosions all the time. Uh, I'm not a weapons expert either, but uh, Matthew Galt on our team, who's been on this podcast before, uh, writes often about nuclear proliferation and nuclear weapons. So, you know, he talked to some people uh, that he works with all the time, nuclear weapons experts, and they're like, "Yeah, this is not no. a nuclear weapon. It's obviously not." No, and I mean, yet like you have people sort of wildly speculating that it is, and you have other people who are not weapons experts saying that this was a controlled blast and definitely, like, definitely a nuke. You know? Yeah, I mean, people forget that there was pre-atomic explosions. There was massive explosions that didn't involve anything with a you know a nuclear half life. You know, like there were massive, massive explosions and they actually measure nuclear weapons by the power of like TNT by ton or something like that. So it's not even necessarily a measurement that's done with nuclear weapons in mind. So there's there's all sorts of these types of massive explosions that could happen. I mean, even just like a few years ago, there was there was the mother of all bombs drop. That wasn't an atomic weapon. Like, come on. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's notable to to talk about this because it's like the uh the life cycle of conspiracy theories is just so fast now where it's like this happened 
uh, and then 15 minutes later, you have sites like Zero Hedge and a few others uh, saying, you know, this was definitely like an attack on Hezbollah or Hezbollah attack or, or what have you. Like, it's unclear, like what people are saying. Uh, you have people saying that it was definitely a controlled explosion. You have people saying it was definitely a nuclear weapon. And it's like the responsible thing here is, you know, we can say what it's not, but we can't definitely say what it is until there's been a little bit more investigation into it. I mean, it happened an hour ago. So it's like you just kind of see these things happen and you see how things can spiral out of control very quickly. Um, you have people like drawing uh, conclusions really with no uh, no evidence to back it up. And you have people saying like, oh, well, it's the 75th anniversary of the Hiroshima bomb. So like clearly that must have something to oh do my with God. it. And it's, like, it's just like, this is not good. We are just in a hellscape right now. Like, just like, get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like the conspiracy theories right now, it's just like, whoo. Oh my God. Yeah, not good. It's not good. It's really not good. Okay, so uh, this is a great story from Samantha Cole. Motherboard's very own Samantha Cole about OnlyFans. She she kills this beat, I gotta say. Yeah, so this was a collab between her and Joseph Cox. And I think, uh, you know, we, we basically wrote a big story about this a few weeks ago uh, in which we wrote about a website called Thought Hub, um, which is stealing OnlyFans content. Uh, it's scraping it and then reposting it uh, and selling it cheaper. Uh, then people are finding it on OnlyFans and it's obviously illegal in many different ways. And this week we saw a lawsuit filed against ThoughtHub, but we also saw it filed against Cloudflare and Bang Bros as well. And it named Cloudflare because Cloudflare is uh, protecting ThoughtHub uh, from DDoS attacks and things like this. So this is something that's come up a lot of times before where it's like, Cloudflare controls a lot of the underlying infrastructure of the internet or, or it's like an internet infrastructure company that has the ability to either protect sites from DDoS attacks or not protect them. And in a few extreme instances, Cloudflare has uh, removed protection from certain sites. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the, the massive Nazi site, which surely you will know, um, Stormfront. Stormfront, few, yeah, Iron March. So like, yeah, so I mean, but Stormfront a few years ago, like Cloudflare was protecting mm -hmm. that. And then the CEO wrote basically a blog post. Up until last year. Yeah, and they were like, we're not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it got attacked by hackers and things of this nature. Um, and then Bang Bros is named because Bang Bros is advertising on Thought Hub. So it's like this Bang Bros in many ways is helping to keep uh, this site that's existing based on stealing content from uh, adult performers. And it's, it's just like a big, it, it shows that these sites can't really exist in a vacuum. Like they can't exist without the help of people who are scraping this, uh, this content from people who are helping to monetize the sites from site uh, companies like Cloudflare, et cetera, that are protecting them. And, I don't know uh, how likely this complaint is to succeed, especially when it's going after Cloudflare and Bang Bros, who are only sort of tangentially uh, involved. But when uh, you talk about like a lawsuit against ThoughtHub for stealing content and profiting off of it, that, that seems like a slam dunk. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there's been some talk recently of Microsoft 
uh, buying TikTok in the US. We got a bit of a story on that. Yeah, I don't really know what's going to happen here uh, because this story keeps moving and changing very quickly. But um, the, the broad strokes of it are basically uh, TikTok has been in the news constantly over the last few weeks. We had Amazon uh, issue a ban of uh, its employees using TikTok on work devices, and then it sort of rolled it back. And then you had India banning TikTok, and then you had um, one of the big financial firms saying that employees couldn't have TikTok on their phone. And then this all sort of spiraled into like senators calling for a ban on TikTok. And eventually this week or last, I guess over the weekend, Donald Trump said that he was going to consider banning TikTok. And it's like, A, it's unclear whether any of this is serious, like if he's seriously considering this or what the mechanism for banning TikTok would be. Uh, There's also this uh, mechanism in U.S. law that I only recently learned about, and it's very complicated. Like, I I actually would love to know more about it. Uh, But basically, there is a board uh, of regulators who are able to compel foreign companies to sell their interests in uh, a company that operates in the U.S. uh, to a U.S. company. So... I know that this is a podcast and I should have come prepared, but I don't remember the name of it, but I do know uh, the example, uh, the big, the only time it's ever been invoked was a Chinese company bought Grindr a few years ago. And this board, this regulatory board basically forced uh, that Chinese company to sell its interest in Grindr to an American company. Byte Dance. Well, Byte Dance is the company that owns TikTok, but uh, oh, okay. Byte Dance did not buy Grinder. Yeah, so so Byte Dance is the Chinese company, and basically mm-hmm. the there's a few I guess fears here, m- many of which are based on xenophobia and others, uh, which are I think a little bit more um, real, um, for lack of a better term, but. Uh, it's basically like ByteDance owns TikTok. It's massively popular in the United States. Uh, it's a Chinese company and people are concerned that the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party could compel TikTok to, uh, you know, hand over data on Americans or that it could somehow manipulate the algorithm to help the Chinese in some way. And it's like, uh, it's all quite like, some of it is blown out of the water. Others, other parts of it are like, yeah, that's a real concern, but it's a concern with Facebook. It's a concern with Twitter. It's a concern with any social media company. Uh, we haven't seen Facebook being a great like arbiter of the truth or a great protector of data here in the United States either. So um, you have a bit of this just like anti-competitive, uh, you know, protectionism going on. And you also have uh, this xenophobia going on and you also have uh, legitimate concerns about like what is happening to all this data and and non-transparent algorithms and what have you right and, so, and, but I, but I, it's also just kind of goes back to the whole i mean i feel like i think it's quite clear that president trump has used this tiktok as a as a way of you know it's a dividing line as well right it's a dividing tactic because this whole thing is you know whenever the, the administration is under fire they go after something chinese uh, right. It's, it's a cudgel that he can hold and be like, well, look, the Chinese are trying to do something. And there's like, like with Huawei, I mean, we have the whole podcast on Huawei, but it's like, like with Huawei, there's been 
no evidence really that uh, you know TikTok or ByteDance are doing any of the things that people accuse them of, which is manipulating algorithms, uh, you know, spying on Americans, etc. They've had some, you know, they've had some security issues, but these security issues are similar to ones that we've seen from American companies where there's a bug that has been patched or what have you. So anyways, that was a long windup, but basically we had Parker Higgins, who is a, he used to work for the EFF. He, I think now works for the Freedom of the Press Foundation, wrote a piece for Motherboard about how, uh, you know, selling TikTok to Microsoft isn't going to solve the problems with social media or the problems with TikTok because, uh, yes, an American company would then own it. But at the same time, it's like, we're not going to get transparency into the algorithm. We're not going to get transparency into how the data is being used or whether it's being sold in ways that are, uh, detrimental to users. And it's like, this is a problem with all of social media. We need to take more control over social media or have better regulations and transparency into these things, into how these networks work. If we want to fix this problem at all, you know, completely agree. Well, it was good to be back on the old cipher with you, Jason. Yeah. Good to have you. Uh, good to have me. Good to have you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. All right. I'll have my mic back next week. Yeah, please do. Farewell. Okay. All right. Bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.